Hello and welcome to All Aboard TII's Accessibility Podcast. This is a podcast about accessibility and sustainable public transport, brought to you by Transport Infrastructure Ireland. I'm Claire Scott and I'm joined by our All Aboard podcast host, Sarah O'Donnell. Throughout the series, we'll be hearing first-hand accounts from people who use and design public transport systems, and specifically the role accessibility plays in these experiences. And who is this podcast for? In the first instance, we hope to connect with people with disabilities who use our services. But also, it's for anyone who is drawn to human interest stories and has a curiosity to learn more. And of course, we hope to attract listeners who are designers and decision makers for transport systems, who through the podcast might get a better understanding of some of the problems and potential solutions that are out there. So without further ado, let's give this a go and get all aboard TII's Accessibility Podcast. So Sarah, what's the focus for this episode? Hi Claire. So in this episode, we're talking to architect Jim Quinlan about his experience of working with people with disabilities at the very earliest stages of the Lewis Light Rail design, way back in the early noughties. We also chat to Jim about his architectural and transport design adventures in such far-flung places as Dubai, Israel and Qatar, and how public transport and attitudes to disability differ from Ireland. And along the way, we also chat about some of his own personal experiences around disability. It's a great interview. Hope you enjoy it. We're joined now by Jim Quinlan, Project Director, Director with Barry Aegis, who are the design consultants for the Lewis Finglas Extension. Jim, you're very welcome to All Aboard TAI's Accessibility Podcast. Thanks, Sarah. Lovely to be here. So, Jim... Before we get on to the Lewis Finglas, I want to travel way back in time and to talk to you about your previous role as Chief Architect with the Railway Procurement Agency. And I'd specifically like to talk to you about your participation in the Passenger Transport Accessibility Committee, or PTAC as it was known. So tell us about how that came about and about your engagement with people with disabilities. Okay, um, so a little bit of background, I suppose. I, I qualified from UCD in 1982 and went uh, to live in uh, the UK and I was lucky enough to work for Dr Bernardo's for 12 years and uh, Dr Bernardo specialised in um, facilities for uh, children and young adults with disabilities both uh, physical and mental Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was a great grounding for me in the whole area of um, universal design and uh, so when I came back um, around about 2000, came back to Ireland uh, to work on the Lewis. Um, and um, I already had, I think, a reasonably good understanding of what the issues were for uh, uh, um, designing for, for people with disabilities or mobility impairment. Um, and uh, um, as you mentioned, I took part in um, a committee that was set up by the Department of Transport, um, which featured the key um, public transport agencies, uh, so uh, Dublin Bus, Bus Aaron, um, CIE, and um, the Light Rail Project Office, as it was at the time, dealing with the the Lewis, and representatives of the various um, disability groups, so NCBI, Irish Wheelchair Association. um, There was a broad representation of people on that committee. And it was really 
formed as a way to coordinate and ensure that uh, all the issues of using public transport um, for those with disabilities were addressed uh, and baked into the designs yeah. uh, that everybody was doing and all of the new schemes. And it was also about interoperability and being able to move from one system to the other. Yeah. Uh, we also talked, um, uh, eventually, the, the, on the committee, we had some people from the taxi associations and also from some of the private coach companies. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, we, we looked at ways that everything could connect up and we talked about all of the issues of, you know, the first and last mile, which is always a problem for uh, mobility impaired users using public transport. Yeah. Um, so that, that was very interesting and, yeah. uh, uh, you know, a lot of good work came out of it. And I suppose it's important to say that that kind of consultation that you were involved with was even before the 2005 Disability Act. And to put it in context as well, Manchester was also building a tram system at the time and they made the decision to go for the high floor tram. That's right. But uh, the Lewis was following the French model. So that was a very good decision. Absolutely, yeah. We went for low floor trams, uh, um, low platforms, short ramps, yeah. uh, um, you know, not, not too steep. We spent a lot of time, aside from the PTAC committee, uh, we spent a lot of time meeting the individual uh, groups themselves. And in fact, um, uh, when the first trams were delivered, we organised special trips for uh, to allow people to familiarise themselves even before it opened to the public. Yeah. We had uh, guided tours and uh, groups of people uh, who were partially sighted or blind, um, um, people who had hearing difficulties. And in fact, even during the testing and commissioning phase, we had some of the wheelchair users uh, testing out the um, uh, the facilities on, on board the tram yeah. and making sure even in, uh, we did some simulations for emergency braking situations to make sure that it was safe and uh, that helped in the final configuration and design of the vehicles themselves. Yeah. And we, we tested the uh, the gap to the threshold and platform, you know, all of the issues, making sure that, uh, you know, the level difference was no more than 50 millimetres, yeah. um, you know, uh, uh, and, and really testing out all of the ideas. We weren't able to do everything that, that everybody asked for. Some things, uh, you know, because of safety issues or infrastructural issues couldn't be done. But I think we, we, we addressed at least 90% or Absolutely. 95%. And the great thing is that it has continued, you know, since then, as you know, and, and you know, you, you've remained. I, I left in 2008 yeah. uh, um, to, to, to go and work in the Middle East. Um, and uh, um, But, uh, you know, uh, the ideas that we planted in those early stages of the Lewis Continued right through yeah. and to this day. Absolutely. I mean, so many positive things came out of that. I, I recall the issue of the gap mm -hmm. um, yeah. and changes been made to that. And, of course, the ticket vending machines That's were right. yes. uh, adjusted and the yellow stripe on the, mm -hmm. on on the, the vehicle itself. On the vehicle itself, itself. yeah. So yeah. lots of very direct and positive outcomes came from that consultation. Yeah. One, one of my few times when I actually went out and did some work in the depot, um, we, we had tested... Um, um, with a wheelchair, the, the, the platform gap, and uh, we noticed there were some problems for the small wheels at the front um, getting stuck between the platform and the threshold of the vehicle. Yeah. So um, we, we um, fitted some uh, wider thresholds on, onto the LRT vehicles, and I actually got a, a chance to do some physical work out in the depot on one of the trams myself. So. 
Very good. Great. I enjoyed, <laughs> I enjoyed that immensely. It was great. And then we took it out and tested it and, and it solved the problem and all the subsequent trams were fitted with the wider threshold. Fantastic. And as you say, the PTAC is now the Department of Transport Accessibility Consultative Committee yeah. and the user group continues to this day. And I have to say, lots of members of that user group continue to ask after you. Oh, so that's um, very nice. This, uh, obviously, your legacy there was very impressive. Um, so to go to, was it 2008, you made a, a big change in your life. Mm-hmm. And, I did. Uh, you moved from RPA in Dublin mm-hmm. and headed off to first Dubai and then That's to correct. Jerusalem to yep. work as an architect, also on light rail. Yep. So maybe tell us about your role in those countries and how their systems might compare yep. to ours. Okay, so in Dubai, I was working on uh, the Al Safu tram which is a small tram um, that connects the, um, the Mall of the Emirates to the marina mm-hmm. in, in Dubai and uh, links to the Dubai Metro at a number of locations. So one of the key things there was making sure that there was accessible links between um, the tram system and the metro system. Yeah. Um, one of the difficulties in, in Dubai is that um, um, the streets are not really designed for pedestrian use that much it has improved uh over the years but at that time it was very very difficult and it was very car Car centric yeah yeah yeah. and i mean that's interesting because dubai in a way is a city built from scratch so entirely almost apart from old dubai accessibility wasn't really a consideration maybe in the city or in the built environment yeah in in the city uh you know during the 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 early days of the city really it was designed along more of a a kind of american style you know car dominated very long distances and even sheikh Zayed road the main the main thoroughfare through the the centre of the city has 12 lanes, six lanes in each direction. And there are very few crossing points and very few bridges over it. Mm. Um, So people take taxis from one side to go around to get to the other side. Amazing. Um, You know, but uh, um, that has changed. And, you know, as people have have really become more conscious of, uh, you know, the importance of accessibility and pedestrian areas and walking is that there's 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 far more um places now for people to to do that uh, with adequate shelter obviously because of the, the the extreme temperatures um but i took a lot of the the stuff that we did on lewis and applied that to the design of the stations yeah. in uh, in dubai fortunately it was exactly the same vehicle um, so that that was that was a, a fairly straightforward one to deal with, um, and the big difference is that the um, stations there are uh, enclosed and fully air conditioned. So uh, your ticket uh, barrier is at the edges of that enclosed building, and you get into the building, and then you board yes, your tram. Yes, exactly. And there's an airlock. There's a lobby um, as as you go into the build the building itself. It's all glass with the a solid roof, um, so it's well shaded, uh, but fully air conditioned, and there are platform screen doors that allow you to get onto the, the the vehicle. And we looked at all of the things, you know, platform screen doors was a, a, a new innovation for the tram system, and um, you, you know, for people to be able to manage that. So yeah. we we looked very closely at floor markings and you know arranging how people would actually, um, you know get on and off the vehicle because it, it, it has been a problem here and it's I think st- still happens to some extent you know when the trams are very busy 
people getting off. If you're in a wheelchair and you're in the wheelchair space and you're trying to get off the uh, the tram, mm. it can be very, very difficult. And of uh, course, that will be an issue potentially on Metrolink where we will have the platform doors as well. So, absolutely. Yeah. So, so you know, we, de- we designed the floor markings so that there were clear indications of where people sh- should stand when they're waiting to leave the, uh, the way off of the... Uh, um, um, the vehicle mm. clear so that people would 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 get off first before other people try and uh, and, and uh, uh, enter I- into the vehicle uh, and I think that's worked reasonably well. Very good. Um, so after that, then um, I, I went to Jerusalem and I, I spent uh, three years in Jerusalem working again on another tram system and believe it or not, the same tram again. So, very convenient. Uh, very convenient and. Uh, uh, here um, in, in Jerusalem, the, the, the design was very like Dublin, so open uh, platforms, mm-hmm. uh, minimal shelters, um, and um, that, was, um, that was really a very straightforward system. Yeah. They already had part of the system in place and up and running. I was in charge of extending the, sure. the, the lines to, to, to new areas. Uh, and so it was a matter of just doing the, the, the same thing again. Yeah, but of course, Jerusalem is such an ancient and historically mm. kind of unique um, city. There must have been kind of unique um, challenges there, not they, to mention, I suppose, you know, the kind of um, uh, cultural and social you ab- know, issues that they have Absolutely. There. And, and, you know, one, one of the big issues for, for Jerusalem, of course, was that, you know, the tram was going through, um, you know, Palestinian areas as well as, uh, you know, Jewish areas. And... Um, so, uh, in the early days, um, you know, there were some tensions. I think now people have, have, uh, have, have calmed down somewhat and, you know, everybody is able to use it. It's a good open system. Um, it replaced um, a bus, high floor bus system yeah. uh, that ran along, you know, the, the same routes. Uh, and of course, like most uh, cities, um, you know, perhaps apart from Dubai, older cities all had tram systems like Dublin had, uh, you know, course, the old tram system. Yeah, yeah. Jerusalem also had an old tram system that was there for, for many years. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed it, uh, you know, and th- that, that particular project, I enjoyed it. And uh, I recently spoke to one of my ex-colleagues. Um, they haven't actually opened it yet, so uh, uh, the extensions that I worked on, um, but they are expecting to open them next year. So I uh, hope to get a trip back to have a chance to see that. And just as a matter of interest, just given the kind of history of conflict, w- mm-hmm. were people with disabilities more prevalent or more, were, did you find that there were kind of war injuries or, or not necessarily? Not necessarily. Um, y- y- again, I, I think, you know, in the old city of Jerusalem, it's not very accessible. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, the pavements are very difficult to manage. The, uh, uh, you know, it's very hilly. Mm. So you don't tend to see, um, you know, that many people um, that in wheelchairs, for, for instance. Yeah. But, but the, the one thing I think that is significant there is you have quite an aged population. And so there, there are a lot of older people who have, you know, difficulties, uh, you, you know, uh, with uh, mobility. Yeah. And uh, simply because of their age, um, I'm getting to that age myself. <laughs> and uh, you know, so it's it's um, it that is something that you see yeah. uh, quite a bit. Um, but other than that, I wouldn't say it's particularly different to to other Any cities other city. yeah. in, in the world. Yeah. 
what an incredible experience to have mm. lived there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was. I, I consider myself extremely lucky. So I, I, when I when I finished in 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 Jerusalem, I then went to work in Qatar, and I worked on the uh, the metro system in in Qatar, which is a, 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 something very different. Um, I worked on the Gold Line, which was ten large underground stations mm-hmm. uh, on a, a line that runs um, parallel to the coast. And um, there we, we, we were really dealing with all of the issues of um, access via lifts and escalators. Uh, we applied, you know, universal design uh, principles. Uh, we looked at passenger information displays. Uh, it's a fully automated system as well, which means that there has to be an extra layer of safety yeah. on top because, you, as you can imagine, uh, with the Lewis and similar LRT systems, the driver is control is controlling what's going on. So yeah. he can see, you know, with his his cameras, he can see the outside of the vehicle. He can see inside the vehicle. Mm. He's able to 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 hold the doors open longer if needs be, yep. or you know, if somebody's is trapped in the door, he will release it. He can't he can't leave the platform. Or talk until to someone them. through the cab. Or, or exactly, you know, he, he, he can needs speak to, to somebody. Uh, you know, the the emergency. Um, um, uh, communications on the on on the platform on 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 the um, on the vehicle itself. Um, with the automated system, it's it's very different. Yeah. So uh, again, um, you know, the the, the system uh, in Qatar um, uses platform screen doors. Yeah. Fully air conditioned, obviously, uh, you know, systems, um, and so there is a, a measure of control that way, um, um, and we. we we took some of the lessons from Dubai in terms of the marking as on the floors yeah. and, you know, creating areas. And, uh, um, you know, uh, one of the things, because the station is very large in in, uh, in um, Qatar, yeah. um, we, we put a lot of seating into the stations so that people could actually have a chance to, to, to stop and rest. Yep. Um, some of the stations are 60 metres deep. Mm. So long even, distances. Long down distances. And even yeah, though you yeah. have escalators, it's still very, very long distances yeah. to travel. And sometimes you have banks of elevators or, or escalators with landings in between. So we put seating on the landings. Yeah. We looked at the lighting. Uh, you know, we again, you know, tried to adopt the principles of universal access for all yeah older and, and people people yeah, with for, buggies, everybody. for everybody exactly yeah. and yeah. i think that's the key thing that you know it's not about designing for people with specific uh, impairments mm. it's about designing something that is easy for everybody to Absolutely. use and if if you know if, if you adopt that approach you know it, it all makes sense level level boarding easy to view Signage. A logic to the way you're tra- um, tra- traveling through e- the space. Exactly, you know, and and also, you know, an important aspect of all that is the whole idea of uh, having a secure and safe space. Yeah. And you know, since I've come back, I've been impressed with some of the work that's been going on here in TII with, uh, you know, the gender lens and uh, you know the, the the work that's there, uh, you, you know, looking at. You know broader issues with regard to safety and security and feeling perceptions of, of security. Yeah. You know, and it's all going to benefit the system because all of that is actually going to encourage more people to use it. Mm. And uh, the more people that use it, the safer it is. Exactly. Well, one of the things um, that that we did in uh, in Dubai that was interesting was um, 
we had a, a system of guidance uh, that actually started at the platform. So you had a tactile guidance for, for people who were visually impaired yeah. that would take you from the station to uh, different destinations. Mm. So you would, you, would, you would start from, um, you know, if you're coming from, from inside the station, uh, it would take you to a particular exit. And we had tactile maps for people to use so that they could navigate their the way, way around. Out. So the, the, the tactile paving would bring you to the, the map. Yeah. Then there were other tactile pavings that went off from that to central the map or to, to the, the lift or to the escalators or to the taxis or to the uh, you know the the exit points. So it was able to guide people. And one of the things that that we did, <coughs> excuse me, one of the things we did before uh, opening the system was that um, we we had some specially trained staff available, and um, at every station there was somebody there who was able to, to guide people. And uh, once you, you effectively trained people yeah. how to use the station, it was very easy for them then to, to navigate travel independently and, and become independent. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And so many uh, lessons there for Metrolink as well. Yes, you know, when exactly. you think of the, um, you know, it is going to be different to light rail, but, but yeah. and it presents different challenges. But like you say, Think about universal design from the very beginning. Yeah. Think simplicity. If, if you design it well, you don't re- need to rely on masses of signage and guidance. Yeah. Because sometimes that can be counterproductive. And you see systems, you know, I'm sure you and, and, and you know, the listeners ha- have been to airports around the world where you've got so many signs, yeah. you just you don't have a clue which way to go. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things for me always is, you know, a good wayfinding system, mm. something that's intuitive, visual links between where you are and where you want to go to, that you can actually see, you know, where you're going to go, uh, and really just to, to make it as natural and, and uh, you know, as easy as possible. Fantastic. So, Jim, on a personal level, mm-hmm. back in 2019, was it 2019? Yeah. yeah. You had uh, an accident which left mm-hmm. you... Partially blind in yeah. one eye. Yeah. So yeah. no, I, I'm I'm fully fully blind in my left eye. Left eye, and so. you're an architect, so obviously you know this, that's a very visual mm-hmm. profession. Yeah. So maybe you know that must have been pretty worrying at the time. Maybe tell us a little bit about the accident and the impact sure. that it's had. So it it, it was a, a just a, a freak accident. I fell and uh, I smashed my glasses, and the 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 glass. Uh, caused some damage to my left eye and despite uh, surgery it um, it wasn't possible to save it so for the last uh, uh, few years now I've been getting used to you know navigating with just one eye um, one of the the things that happens um, with uh, people who just have um, one eye is that you can't perceive depth anymore you lose your 3d vision yeah so it's very difficult to to, to judge distances um, and uh, um, so you, you know it's been an interesting experience to 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 be on the other side of the table if you like as yeah. as a as a you know a mobility impaired person uh, you know suffering from a visual uh, um, disability um, and uh, you know I think my, my my pet peeve is staircases and the you stripes know, yes yeah. and, and so many places don't, don't put happen. the high contrast 
stripe along the edge of a stairs or a step. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's a real problem. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, uh, you know, because you can't differentiate the, the actual depth of the, of the, the, the treads or if there's a step in the, even in the street, yeah. you know, so, so that's, that's something that uh, is, is, a, is a, a problem. Yeah. Uh, thankfully it hasn't uh, affected my, my career and I've been able to continue, um, you know, doing, doing my work and, uh, you know, after a night test, I've also, uh, you know, been given a new driving license and, and can, can still drive. I do have to take extra special care, um, you know, in, in terms of maintaining distance uh, yeah. um, to, to, to vehicles in front. Um, but it, it's, um, you know, it's it, it's just something that you would adopt your, your lifestyle to and, and you get used to. Mm. Um, I have other disabilities that are not so apparent. I, I have a problem with my right arm um, following a, a failed surgery a number of years ago and um, I have very little grip in my right hand. Mm. Um, so uh, th- this can sometimes lead to some difficulties as well. Sure, and, even uh, all that, I mean, you know, I can see it myself with elderly parents and everything, mm-hmm. opening jars, the kind yeah, of, absolutely. you know, the everyday, yeah, everyday yeah. packaging, yeah. all of that. Yeah, kind every, of some, some packaging is, is impossible and, you know, simple tasks that you would take for, for granted, you know, can become very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, that for me is very difficult now is opening doors that have a very heavy mechanism or yeah. a very heavy closer uh, because I have no strength in my hand anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that becomes a difficulty um, so, uh, you know, it's um, a salutary lesson, yeah, you know, and, sure. you, you know, the reality is that we do have a population that is living longer. And as people age, you know, just the aging process itself, people start to suffer from disability, uh, you know, either through an accident or, mm. uh, you know, through illness or whatever, whatever the reason, uh, more and more people, you know, are are. are reaching an age where they will live with some sort of permanent disability. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, so it's more important than ever that, that we make universal design. And make the right choices at everywhere. the beginning. And often it is a choice, but people aren't conscious of it the is. alternative. It is. Or it is. And, you know, I, I'm glad to say that over the, the last 20 years, I suppose, I've seen that, you know, uh, things have been baked into legislation and, you know, there's a far, far greater awareness um, you know, when, when I started uh, work uh, in Bernardo's, um, you know, in the early 80s, um, the only guidance that we had at the time was um, the, the, the very famous book, uh, Designing for the Disabled, yeah. uh, by Selwyn Goldsmith. And uh, Selwyn Goldsmith was a, an architect um, um, who in the 1960s um, wrote um, a guide, a design guide for designing for people with disabilities, which is still very re- relevant today. Um, but Selwyn um, had had um, contracted polio when he was a, a child mm. and was partially paralysed. And uh, it was because of that uh, and the difficulties he had that he he. Uh, he he published this book mm. um, and um, that was what we use in, in Bernardo's yeah. and, uh, you know, as I say, still it's been updated and uh, uh, modified and, and uh, it's still relevant and still important. But it just goes to show that, you know, personal experience of these things can lead to something 
really good over you know time, that over that time changes, that, that will yeah. make those changes happen yeah. and you know when you get support from government agencies uh, you know when you have all of the various bodies representing people with disabilities working together yeah. and working with their their community working with their counselors mm. and you have designers uh, and agencies who are open to doing that like the work that you know you and your colleagues are doing you know with the user group mm. um you know to just keep moving forward with that keep improving and uh, you know absolutely yeah. should be open doors for people literally you know and have yeah. the you know, i mean with the united nations convention on the rights of persons with disabilities like that's a, a rights based thing but you'd like to think that it shouldn't always be a fight you know that it needs to just be embedded it's, it's less of a fight than it used to be yeah for sure <laughs> so i mean clearly uh like all of your life experience has been brought to bear and mm-hmm. now you are uh, back working on light rail in dublin yes as they say life comes around and yeah. uh you know back to back to where you started so yeah delighted to be back i'm i'm, I'm back in dublin since january uh, although I, I was working on the on the job remotely during the covid lockdown um uh, but uh, since january back here uh, in dublin and uh, you know working with your good self and uh, your colleagues on uh, um, extending the lewis up to finglas yeah. and uh so you know all of those lessons learned are being pumped into into that uh, piece of work, and uh, looking forward to uh, to completing the design of that uh, this month actually, and uh, starting uh, the railway order application process uh, yep. in in the coming twelve months, and then next year uh, we hope to apply for the railway order and. Uh, um, after that, it will be a question of tendering and uh, then, then getting uh, the thing built. Getting the thing built. Yeah, so yeah. it would be a nice way to finish. Uh, for me, it will finish my career. I'm at an age now where, uh, you know, this would probably be my last really big uh, piece of work. And it's just nice to be back working on something that I started with. Yeah. And, and like, I think just the way the design is going at the moment, a lot of, you know, those lessons over the years are being applied. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know, when we're going through... Uh, green spaces and parks, this consideration yeah. of more vulnerable pedestrians, exactly, um, exactly. the interaction with bicycles, yeah. um, of course, all of the uh, stop platforms and all of that, continuing the kind of best practice there. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and you know, we're also looking at, uh, you know, some of these things in the context of sustainability yeah. and, uh, you know, the environment. So, for instance, you know, one of the things I know you're heavily involved in it is the, the whole issue of lighting on, the, on the, the platforms and, you know, lighting in the public areas through the parks, you know, um, minimizing it but having enough that it's safe or uncomfortable yeah. uh having it responsive so that you have lighting in the park areas that only comes on when activated by somebody actually walking past yeah um so you know we're, we're kind of blending in that whole thing of uh, safety and accessibility and, and usability and usability efficiency energy efficiency sustainability you know all of these things all complement yeah, yeah but yeah. they complement each other you know yeah. they you 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 bring them together and and you end up with something really good at the end of it yeah absolutely yeah. it's going to be a great project yeah i'm, look, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to a trip on it, it when yeah. it's done fantastic and finally jim quinlan we can't interview you without <laughs> uh, talking about music and yeah. i just know from wherever you've gone in the world music finds you or you find it and just talk to us about what music means to you, what 
part it's played in your life. Mm. And I feel anyway, it, it seems to be a big part of what makes you such an optimistic person. So Yeah, I suppose so. I, I mean, you know, I grew up at a time when music... Um, you know, was your main source of entertainment. Uh, um, you know, we didn't have a TV until, you know, I was seven or eight years old. Um, but, you know, people in the house played played music. Uh, I learned music in, in primary school. Mm. And then all the way through college, I, you know, I, I played music. And, uh, and you know, when I went to the UK and, and worked over there, uh, we formed a, a band in the, uh, you know, in Bernardo's. Uh, and... Uh, um, everywhere since then that I've worked, including in the RPA, uh, you know, I've had I've had uh, bands and played played music. Um, I, I find it, uh, you know, for me it's relaxing and um, you know I enjoy entertaining. Uh, and I've been lucky enough to be able to record some albums and uh, you know continue everywhere I've gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I've played music and I've made friends very quickly. In the music communities, yeah. uh, you know, I'm still friends with with a lot of people, um, and actually, I, 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 back here in Ireland, I've met up with my old friends that we used to play music with, and we've got together for a couple of sessions and some recording. So, you know, it's uh, somebody once said that uh, architecture is frozen music. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know if that's the case or not, but certainly I, I get enormous enjoyment out of it, and uh, you know it uh, it keeps me sane. Fantastic! <laughs> Thank you so much, Jim. You're very welcome. And Lovely we'll to talk to you. Play out with a song, one of your own songs. Ah, thank you very yeah. much. Yes. Thank you, Jim. Steps now I need to retrace All of the secrets I thought I knew All of the things I thought I would do Shadows, illusions still coming through Lead me to some place closer to you Coming's not a reason to stay The lure of the bright light's beginning to fade Playing the songs like they've always been played And all of the people I once knew And all of the places I passed through On all of the highways there's only a few Lead me to some place closer to you I know the time, it's coming soon The singer forgets how to sing the tune They pray for the rain as they stare at the sun 
irrelevant dust is all they've become And all of the dreams that have almost come true And all of the words we remember them too we hope you enjoyed our conversation with Jim. Thank you to our host Sarah O'Donnell, to Trevor Cudden on sound, to our production team Kathleen Jacoby, Rachel Cahill and Claire Scott, to Sinead Foley from TU Dublin who designed our fantastic graphics, and to everyone else who helped make this podcast. Please send us your comments and feedback to allaboard at tii.ie. For more episodes from All Aboard, please go to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.